It's Monday, January 23rd, and this is Season 7, Episode 20 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Jeff. Hello. Tommy. What up? And Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. So I want to start the conversation a little bit. So our uh, GM, I guess, uh, uh, Director of Football, whatever you want to call him, uh, uh, Paradigy, uh, seems to be in a little bit of trouble. It sounds like he's uh, not going to be able to do his job for two and a half years. That's already in place in Italy, and it sounds like it's about to be put in place every place else, um, at least in Europe. How are you guys feeling on this? Uh, is this a royally fucking us at this time of year? Well, if it does get enforced for UEFA and, and the Football Association, I assume he gets fired, right? Because... He, he can't do business with it, and we'd have to bring somebody else in. It, of course, for Spurs, it happens in the final week of the window. <laughs> I mean, screw us over. Well, it, it's. I mean, I don't believe in the whole Spursy thing, really, but the, this is kind of Spursy. We're just a the way we've been playing, not looking good. Prodigy getting all these issues or having his issues. So, but the sticking point though is, yeah, he's got the band with in Italy, but save it. But what happens if he? Save it's just Italy. We can't do business with anybody there, probably. Or like they're probably gonna be like he's persona non grata for at least those two plus two and a half years. So, and you know that's his bread and butter because we got you know Dayon, Bencore, uh, Romero, etc. So it's like this could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's just another one of those things where it feels like Spurs we're just getting kicked when we're down with some of these the way some of these things shake out like. I agree with you. I hate to use the word Spursy, but it just seems like it's always us. It's always us that this shit keeps happening to, and it's really frustrating because, I mean, this is a devastating loss. Um, we brought in the, the big thing with bringing in Paratici was that ability to kind of have Levy step back a little bit from the reins, and that was something that I think we were all excited to see, and Paratici's already done some great business for us. So just to have that be ripped away from us at such a early stage where we could have had this we all had visions of him and Conti having like a great partnership and being able to kind of build a future for us and it's just it, it is it's a pretty big gut punch to have that ripped away from us right now yeah I mean what do you guys think happens uh, do we essentially have to fire him if it, if this stays in place I think we have to right because he can't do business um, I mean, no other club is going to want to do business with us because they're going to be worried that somehow they're going to wind up in trouble dealing with them. Yeah. So we're we're royally fucked. If yeah, goes, sticks. Realistically, like, what business has he done that could fuck us over down the line? We don't actually know because nothing's come out yet. So, as this club, Daniel Levy, Enoch, Joe Lewis, etc., like they have to protect themselves regardless. So, I mean. I wouldn't be surprised. And it's apparently we have a good department already. Like, there's just a but I remember reading like about some random created positions for like scouting, youth, and all that other stuff. So, one would assume somebody's probably going to get promoted internally and just go from there. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of sucks that uh, what's his name, Hitchens, uh, isn't around anymore. Because, um, like, here's somebody who could at least step into the role, uh, uh, at least temporarily. But no, there's really not anybody that even has the skill set. And I know we bashed him a lot, but he did 
work out some pretty good deals at times. I mean, well, the the other argument you made though is, Pride, she does get fired. We whoever, I mean, we'll probably talk about this later, but I don't believe Antonio Conte will be here next season. So whoever the next manager will be, that person might just do everything like Mourinho did and whatnot in the past. Yeah. No. Well, there'll be plenty more to say about this as it, it progresses. Uh, horrible timing considering where we're at in the window and we haven't been able to get a move across the line yet. Uh, but uh, hopefully we can accomplish something, and we'll talk about that more in the second half. Um, but let's uh, move into first uh, the Manchester City game. So this was a way fixture. Uh, I, I think given our form, we weren't feeling very good about this. Uh, we came into it like not having put together a good first half of football probably our, all year. Um, and then we kind of came out and had a decent, if not terrible, uh, half of football in the first half of, of this match. And um, yeah, we, we, we kept them off the board. They had a lot of chances. Um, but uh, we had a really good end to that half, scoring two goals in quick su- succession and then we get to the second half but um but let's start with at least the positives the first half uh how, how were you guys feeling coming out of this first half well the first half we didn't look flustered i mean we looked pretty composed we dealt with what they were throwing at us we looked good on the counter and we pressed really well right um both of those goals that we got was you know one was ederson's crappy pants and then, uh, you know, Kane really hustling on that second one and getting you know, uh, Royale in the position to finish it off. So, you know, it all looked really good. Did anybody feel, like, confident at halftime, though? Oh, God, no. I'm not saying we were going to lose, but I definitely knew we were going to let a goal or two in. Just because – not because, maybe it's just because the way we played. We usually play well one half – it's fucking Man City. So, you know, they come out guns a-blazing. They get the goal, what, within five minutes or whatever. So, it's just, I mean, of course, I, I mean, I can't say I was horribly surprised at how things went down. And it's just like, I kind of just struggled. I'm like, well, that is what it is. My thing is, I was saying to a bunch of people at halftime, I'm like, okay, we got a two-goal lead. Okay, that's great. But we got to keep going because it is Man City. They got all this firepower. DeBarnett can come off the bench, etc. So, unfortunately, that's what happened. And we just look, team looks scared coming out in the second half, like, and looked lost. And well, lo and behold, we lose four two. So, but you know, I'm just, you know, the first half though got some lucky goals. I think with Dayon we got because it was off of deflection. Um, Royale, he was at right place, right time. It was all because of Harry Kane and his, his hustle. If he didn't have that, if, when he was on the ground, if he didn't hustle, for, if he didn't keep going after that, it would have been 1-0 at halftime. So, oh well. Yeah, I think for me the difference was I was actually expecting us to come out and play better in the second half because that's something that we've seen us do before where when we have a lead and a team is forced, yes, it is Man City, but when a team is forced to now try and bomb forward and throw everything they – got at us when that happens we seem to be 
a lot better at keeping our shape at the back and then actually hitting teams on the break. That's something we're very, very good at. So I was expecting that in the second half. I was expecting City to come at us with everything they had. And I was thinking maybe we could sneak another one or two by them and have a nice, like, 3-1 or 3-0 win. And unfortunately, I just, I think the part that's super devastating was how quick how quick they punched us right back in the mouth going into that second half with I think it was the 51st minute they scored and then they scored again in like 90 seconds later it's just I think as soon as they we came out we looked flustered in that second half but I think as soon as they scored that first goal we just completely fell apart I don't think we had we didn't even have enough time to like lick our wounds and try and get ourselves back in the game it was just got punch and then 90 seconds later counter punch again and it's just I think that was the part that was really devastating for me was just how quick we collapsed into that second half it wasn't like we even got to the 70th minute and we're still fighting or something it was just as soon as they scored that bam bam two goals it was over then it was just are we going to lose by two or are we going to lose by ten like yeah, I mean, once the goals started coming for them, it was like a virus went through our team, like, of no confidence. We just started flapping around. Hugo was, like, completely horrible on two of those three goals, and Perisic could not keep up with his man and lost him constantly. And nobody, the only guy I saw out there trying to restore calm was Hoiberg, who started yelling at everybody and promptly turned the ball over immediately <laughs> afterwards. So it was a disaster. Yeah, to me, that game really reminded me of the uh, the game with the Lorente elbow when we like we lost but ended up going through. Um, I think it was was at four three in the Champions League. Um, but I, I, it reminded me of it because we scored those two goals like very early in that game, and then we didn't let ourselves actually kind of control the lead for a little bit and control the game in. Instead, we scored two goals, went up, I think, it was 2-1, I think, because they scored in the fifth minute, and then we went up 2-1. But then they scored the second and third goals right away. I think Danny Rose got skinned, and we ended up letting them just retake the game immediately instead of that having that window of composure where you kind of, kind of dig in for 10 minutes or so or 15 minutes and kind of re-acclimate yourself into the game and you need to have that kind of composure and I don't think we had the leadership and like you said except for Hoybeer yelling at people but he wasn't actually do he was losing the ball so it was just as wasn't as helpful so yeah I think you see a lack of leadership there where in a, in a time where we really needed to be composed and kind of settle in and just take a deep breath for 10 minutes and get ourselves back in on the front foot um, we just melted and completely fell apart yeah the, the Lucas, I'm actually glad you brought up the whole leadership thing because I've said it many times. I was, like, I think this first five minutes of that second half, we lacked composure. Like, yeah, Hugo, he's our captain, but he can only do so much, and he can't do everything in the outfield. Forbear trying to gather the troops together, you know, tell them to rally on and all this other stuff. It didn't happen. And I've like I said many times, the team mentally, I feel like they're soft, and they – they don't know how to deal with this kind of adversity once it hits like that. Um, like, yeah, had they experienced this multiple times, but, like, they've never done anything to counter this, I feel like. And it's been going on like this for a very long time because there's a lot of old guard under Pochettino and Jose Marino. So, for me, it's like, I think a lot of it is we still need that leadership. And it's like, if it was Harry Kane, like, for argument's sake, if Harry Kane stays, 
and Conte's, or Hugo leaves, he's probably going to be captain. But I'm like, you think he's going to be able to rally the troops like this? I Like, we don't have a strong, really strong personality. And I'm like, I think that could have been a very big difference maker if that happened. And it's just, on paper, we do have a lot of talent. It's just, haven't been utilizing it or it's not being used properly in the right areas. Yeah, and I, I think we see, and I, I know we'll come on and uh, talk about the Fulham game after this one, but the game today, I think we saw a couple of moments there like where guys just, like Bentoncourt had got a yellow for yelling at the ref. Like, we won the foul. Everything was good. Like, they called the foul. It was good good news for us. And, and as that's happening, Bentoncourt finds a way to get himself a yellow by losing his composure. It's that's that's this type of or type of things that we got to try and stamp out, and it's just unfortunately, like Tommy said, we're not seeing it, and it's I think that city game was just a pretty good, uh, pretty good measuring point as to where we are with our leadership. When you saw that second half, as soon as that goal went in, I think we just completely collapsed. And we were lucky today we didn't lose Romero on a red card too. <laughs> yeah, he went in with, his, yeah. Yeah, with his, his foot right to the face. It's like, oh, what the? But back to the city game, we had a chance at 2-2 to take to retake the lead, right? With yeah, uh, Santita Perisic. Yeah. And it took that deflection, and then that was it. It always felt like we could have come up with another goal, but we just kind of flailed around and, and meekly died out after that. That's, Jeff, that's kind of the thing, though. I noticed this over the course of the season. Certain players don't have confidence in other players, whether it be like Royale, whatever. You know, and I get that to a certain degree, but the trust, I'm like, you have to trust your players. Like, for example, during the great time under Pochettino, where we're doing very well, it's like everybody knew their assignments, everybody knew where everybody was on the field, and it worked very, very well. And with this, it's just, Players are just like, I've said it a few times to random people, but like, for example, Son, he looks lost out there, and he, I feel with him, it's he's trying to do too much, and he's trying to take everything on, and he's leaving people out, so like, if he, and like when he's got the ball, or Kane's got the ball, an extra person's on him, on them, and then, but that, of course, means somebody else is open, and we're, like, they're kind of just trying to, I feel like with that, it's like they're trying to do too much in there. Keeping their head down, which creates, you know, the tunnel vision, where, and it's it's not pretty. And it's, unfortunately, I think the only way to fix it is we got to build around these other players that we're going to keep and then work more as a cohesive unit. Because under Pochettino, minus that last year, I think that was our biggest strength is we worked well together as a team. And... We didn't, like, yeah, we had some star players, but we didn't have, like, the insane world beater like Ronaldo or Messi. But, you know, once we were a united front, game on. And this wasn't, and it's, and just being flustered and all this, they just, and I, if you ever see me at the bar, I'm always yelling at this, it's the same thing last Thursday, where everybody was clumped up. Nobody spread the field out, and I'm just like, "What are you doing?" And I, well, it seems shit different, day, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think well, the, the thing for like you were saying, a, a clumped up like that, when you unfortunately when you go down to a team like Man City, um, they're not going to just let you have the ball and sit back and say, "Okay, come try and score on us." Like they're going to keep coming at you, 
so it, it was difficult for us to even try and get the ball back in that second part of the second half and it again we didn't have any with we tried to do everything we tried to do everything through the middle and they're I mean they're no slouches they're a strong defensive team so that wasn't going to be the answer we got it I think Kulachevsky tried to get the ball wide as many times as he could um when Richarlison came on, like I think we saw a little bit of getting wide, um, but you need that from your wingbacks, unfortunately. And when you'd mentioned Perisic, I mean, he just he wasn't going to be able to do much going forward because of how quick he was, or like his lack of pace going back actually cost him because he couldn't commit himself forward because he was going to get skinned going back, and as we saw him get skinned several times, so it was just going to be we had to find ways to get creative from the out. From the from the wing areas, and we didn't see it, and that's unfortunately, that's a lot of times what happens when you go down to a team of that city's caliber, and then you talk about the guys that they're willing to are able to take off the bench. They got guys that are a hundred million pound players that can come off the bench, and I mean we don't, so that's they're just going to continue to come at you with that firepower, and that's what we saw in that second half. That was a that was a thing because we were talking at halftime. I'm like. You know, yeah, we got the two no lead, but I'm like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pep was like, he said very little because, or he probably, he probably did the Roy Keane speech of Lance, it's time, or he probably's like, and I say this all due respect to Emerson Royale, but I'm like, he is probably like, you let that motherfucker score, because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, did any, who put, who would ever put money on Emerson Royale to score? I mean, yeah, payout's gonna be huge, but that's beside the point. So because, so I'm like. They're probably like, okay, Pep's pissed. They're like, we know we can do better. Let's fucking get out. Let's come out guns a blazing in the second half. And unfortunately for us, they did that. So, and you know that our uh, defense is going to capitulate, and uh, because we've been doing that regularly. We'll talk about the, the, the today's match uh, later, but. All season, when we get a serious challenge, we make a mistake in the back. We make an error, or it's a midfielder making an errant pass back that puts us in danger. It's always a mistake that leads to these, and this was no different. I mean, yes, they're a better talent, but we let them have the space to work, and we didn't play our defensive game, and that's that's the real thing that's frustrating for me right now we'll talk transfers in the second half but but we're not talking about buying any center backs at all that I've seen unless something comes up and surprises us and I realize the summer window is where there's going to be a lot of center backs available but we're not going to make it through this season if we don't improve our defense in some way or another um, and I don't know if that can be coached into these guys at this point there's yeah well like I said we'll talk, like you said we'll talk about more but it just unfortunately there's so many holes and so many issues. We thought we were in a good, I think a lot of us thought we were in a good position by the end of the transfer window, and fortunately we are not. So it's, I'm, I'm kind of numb to the situation personally just because it's been going on so long and I know the team can do better. Just fortunately, it's not happening right now. But Well, I mean, when you play against the teams at the top, um, you can't hand them goals, and we've done that consistently I mean, ever since the Newcastle game. Um, you know where Hugo lost his mind. You know Hugo's given goals left and right. 
you know, Dyer's giving goals left and right. You know, the other defenders, you can't, you don't know what you're going to get from game to game. And as long, yeah, as long as we do that, we're, you know, we're doomed. We just shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good place to go to MVP um, because we got a lot left to talk about today. So um, let's start with Jeff for MVP. I'm going to be shocking. Oh, good. And Rick just walked in. So the guy that we probably give the most stick to, and I know I definitely have, um, I'm going to give it to Emerson Royale for that game. You know, not just for the goal, but I thought overall he played really well. There was one point after Betancourt got replaced where he, like, took on the whole city team trying to bring the ball forward because God knows Hoiber and uh, Basuma weren't going to do it. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was probably one of his best games. Yeah, uh, Tommy? I don't disagree with that. I, I think Dayon should have a shout as well. Even t- uh, to your man, Ben Gore, I yeah, he got subbed off, but I think it's because he's coming off an injury. But I think he played very well. Um, unfortunately, things fall apart in the end, but yeah, he, he's mine. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, um, I think those are both good shouts. I'm going to say um, I'm going to say mine's going to be Harry. Um, Harry was the really, I think, was the only real threat we had going forward um, and unfortunately we didn't get the ball or he, we didn't get him as much service as I would like to have seen but I think that he did a good job at that second goal that he created for Royale was just I mean pure will willpower to try and make that go in that was really impressive so yeah I'll give it to Harry well yeah and I'm gonna give it to Harry too and I'm just gonna say on that Emerson goal it, what Harry did was so magnificent and the fact that Harry he could have tried to look for uh, a pass to a better play. He could have t- tried to find Kulishevsky, but he's he trusted the the man sitting at the top of the box who's done nothing but kick the ball over the net. Who's <laughs> failed him many times before. <laughs> and, and he put that faith into that and, and made that pass after, like, really just, yeah, as you said, sheer will, willpower getting that – getting into that position to make that pass so um uh tommy yeah i'll be very brief so not gonna lie i was like at halftime i'm like you know with emerson rail with the goal like everybody's when he scored everybody's hugging him like they knew how much it meant to him they knew he was struggling and playing very subpar so i'm like i was very pleased for him of course but i'm like a part of me was like maybe this kind of kick starts his confidence and he'll do better and like how you guys were saying, like he did play well, and I think he did play pretty well today for Fulham against Fulham as well. So, I'm um, hopefully this can start a good run of things. Um, we'll see, of course. Yeah, though it's uh, it, I think we'll have a lot more to say about, and we'll we'll see if he keeps getting picked. And we got FA Cup coming up next, so we'll we'll see what the lineups look like, but. Um, Maybe Conte is leaning back towards him if we don't sign somebody better like Poro in the uh, the window before it closes. Um, let's move the conversation along LVP. to. T- oh, we didn't do LVP. Oh yeah. I mean, How do we not do LVP? Yeah. I okay. Mean, take yeah. your pick. We can okay. each pick one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we could pick a different player. We probably could each pick three, right? Um, but uh, Jeff, you start with LVP. All right. I'll, I'm going to go with Hugo. Um, be, uh, nobody in the Premier League has given up more unforced errors leading to goals than him. I think it was five. I don't know if they counted both of those city goals for him or Should. just one. <laughs> but um, so it's probably higher now. Um, he's been a fantastic servant to this club for so many years. He's single 
single-handedly won games for us but boy the end is coming fast for him and this was a, a pretty ugly display okay uh, let's go to Tommy next yeah I don't disagree with that um But I'm giving it to Sun. Um, he has, over time since the break, or since Christmas break, or the World Cup break happened, he came back. He's not been looking good. I think this might have been actually been his worst performance since coming back. And he just, it just wasn't connecting how he said before. I think he is the biggest example of the one that is trying to do too much. Um, and, you know, it's like, don't be selfish. Like, you know, distribute the ball. Let players be open, or if there's players open pass, keep your head up type deal. I'm just waiting for the cold spell to end. Um, I thought it was going to end when he scored against Crystal Palace. Unfortunately, he didn't. And I said many times, I said earlier this season about Mike, kind of hope he gets benched, um, whether he gets Preston North End or Man City, just because he needs a, he, he might be fine physically, but mentally it's just not there. So, but, and for example, for Brighton, all it took was 60 minutes. Yeah. And he got a hat trick. So let him get a break. You know, where Charles is coming back from injury, let's let's see what he hasn't scored yet, but I'm like, let's see what he's got to offer. Might as well. So sorry, son, gotta give it to you. Uh yeah, I actually had mine was I was trying to decide between those two. Um, I was trying to decide between Hugo and Son, um, for all of the points that you guys just made. But I'm, I'm gonna say mine's Hugo just because yeah, Sun was a ghost, and I think, Tommy, you're actually very generous when you said Sun's been very poor since coming back from the World Cup break. I'm like, you could make the case that he's been poor all season. He's been he's looked like he hasn't been himself this entire season for us, and that's really devastating when you need a guy like of his caliber to be playing at top level if we're going to succeed, and you can't have one of your best players just completely disappear for a season. But uh, for me, Hugo was just – it's got to be him just because of the way that this has just been such a – it, this has now become so repetitious. It, it's just, it's just every game. It's you can count on Hugo making one or two dumb mistakes that can possibly lead to a goal. And when you're playing Man City, you need your World Cup caliber goalkeeper to actually keep you in the game, not throw you under the bus. So yeah. his job is to keep the ball out of the net. He can't be a major factor into how it keeps finding its way behind him. Yeah, I, I, the funny thing is, I had the same two guys, and like it's tough to pick between the two of them. But uh, I, I think we'll make this. Uh, um, uh, Tommy loses, and uh, Hugo loses. I, I don't think. I think we all lose. <laughs> yeah. There are no winners. Yeah. Not a fun debate. Nobody yeah. wins in yeah. this. I can't believe yeah. we let Perisic skate. None of us yeah, gave it. I mean, he got burned well, for three goals. Well, I didn't mention it. I, I just think it was worse. terrible. Yeah, and Perisic, the one that sucked was that. Uh, that opportunity where he had the, the he oh, had that he had opportunity to score. Well, he had the opportunity to score, and then choked and didn't hit it. He he didn't elevate it, and then it was a tap in, and then minutes later, then he gets skinned and does a really stupid choice, gets beat, and allows the guy to just walk in on Hugo. So it's like, I mean, it just was. They all had a fucking shocker. So. Well, let's uh, talk about something maybe a little bit brighter, and it's a victory today. Uh, so um, we're actually recording live at the pub today, so we just came right back, and so we just watched this very fresh in our minds. Um, I think we came, We started this match, a lot of us probably weren't that hopeful just the way we've been playing, and Fulham is 
playing fairly decent uh, right now. So it was, it, and they're sitting right behind us in the table. Just it just smacks of one that we're going to screw up. And we came out and we kind of looked lethargic for the at least the first. 20 minutes half hour of this match it wasn't look like looking like we had much teeth um th they weren't looking that fantastic either they weren't having a ton of opportunities so it's not like they were a giant threat but but we i think we wanted to see more out of our team finding ways to get forward and attack um and it took a while but um let's uh, let's start with tommy on this yeah so for me i would say if you look just at the score line and you just look at the squads, like, wow, it looks like we scraped through a one-nil win. In theory, we could have, but I would, I'm gonna say, look on the brighter side of things. That we, I, I would say, we were actually in control of the game. It looked, it, don't get me wrong, we, and I said as Spurs, we have not been, we have not dominated a team from start to finish. But yeah, we were definitely in control, kind of like with Brighton and Everton where I don't think Fulham were in, we weren't in any, there was not gonna be an issue where they were going to score. They had some good chances, but like Hugo, I mean, yeah, his distribution shit. And it probably will always be. But I think he had some good stops. Yeah, he had a rebound, but he quickly grabbed it. So I over, and I've always shit on Eric Dyer, and I told Jeff, I'm like, you know, I'm, on, I'm still on the Dyer gone train, but, He's not my MVP today, but I think he played very well. Um, and, I mean, we still had some holes that were not great. But, I mean, overall, yeah, late in the second half, we weren't – we didn't have – Harry Kane wanted that goal to get the, to get the record, I think. But, overall, we didn't look like we were going to get that second goal. But, oh, as a – but my, I wasn't stressing out because Fulham, they just weren't threatening in the end. So, I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah, there was nothing that Fulham did, especially in that second half, there was nothing that Fulham did that really even gave Hugo a bother. I think they had one that kind of just bent right around the post and Hugo maybe got a finger to it, but that was never going in. Um, that was the only thing I can really think of off the top of my head. They, I thought we did a very good job once we got that goal, choking out the game. Um, I think we kept our shape. We were very organized at the back. I think everyone defensively had a really nice day. We pressed really, really well. We were able to pass like we were able to pass our way out of their press which was really unique that's not something we see us do a lot we usually fuck it up and somebody does something stupid and gives the ball away um, but we were able to break their press with a lot of uh, continuous passing uh, and putting together strings of like seven eight nine or like ten passes in a row to break these presses and it was weird seeing us be that composed at the back usually someone panics uh, and gives the ball away and this is not a slouch of a team uh, Fulham's I think they're what right behind us at sixth place or yeah they're right behind us. Right, right, right in the sixth. Yeah, so oh, they were right, they were right two points in the Yeah, so yeah. they're just this is a good team. They were just able to beat Chelsea at home a couple like which is not something we ever do. So they they were just be able to beat Chelsea at home the other day. Um, this is a very talented team with um, they have an identity and they have a lot of especially at home in front of their fans. They really get up for these games. Um, but I think we were really composed today. Um, and again, I, I think we did have a lack of bite to us with our attack. Um, it, we just didn't seem to have anything in the final third because I say here, look, Fulham didn't do anything to really test us in that second half. Well, we didn't really do anything to test them either. I think Harry had a tap in that, 
or like the the header Harry had right in front of the net was just. I mean, he's going to be kicking himself for that one. That should have been a goal, and that should have been two 0 right there. But other than that, we really didn't have anything that was overly threatening to Fulham. But luckily for us, Harry was able to get the job done in the first half, so we didn't need to do anything threatening. We could just coast our way through the second half, and I thought we were organized, and that was a really good second half dis display. I think you could say that was probably one of our most complete games that we've played to this point. Yeah, but the bar is so low. Yeah, exactly. So That's a, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, and that was still, we probably only had a, it was probably 60% of the time we were playing well, and that's probably still our best because usually it's 50, like one half we suck, one half we don't. Yeah, and Wolves, I'll be quick with mine, uh, but the, I think we didn't really get out of second or third gear really, but we didn't need to. So I'll take those wins anytime when we need to just because I've said it. I said it to the, at the bar, Jeff. I don't know if you heard because I was on your side of the bar, but you know we can win pretty. You know, like under Pochettino or like when things are going well under Conte, yeah, we can do well. But it's okay to win ugly sometimes. And I don't think Spurs as a whole, we don't, we haven't, they haven't learned that. So it, that kind of shows, or that kind of is one of the qualities of a t of a really great team. It's like you win great, you win ugly. It's just get the job done, and I'll take it today. Well, I think the, before Jeff goes, I think the, the problem is that we've been losing ugly, um, playing very similar football, and just making mistakes. So it, give, it, we, it leaves no trust when we see a match that's played out like this, despite the fact that it was pretty solid and they did what they needed to do. Yeah, and I agree with you, Lucas. I thought that was the biggest change from the City game was that we never looked flustered. I mean, you can see where it all goes wrong. You know, as soon as somebody screws up, you can, you can see everybody to like deflate and start screwing up. And that moment never came today. And I don't know if it was just us being that mentally strong or like you said, Fulham basically not doing anything. But between the two, yeah, we came out of it looking much more like a professional football team today <laughs> than we did for that 10 minute stretch. We, we almost look professional. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah. Hey. Go team. Yeah, we almost look like these players get paid for what they do. <laughs> like, but they had, uh, I, I think for me, the the only thing that was really disappointing today is something that we kind of just, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but Tommy already referenced this in his LVP. But uh, to me, the most, it's just the only thing that was such a bummer today was Son again. He was just... I he got think, an assist. I, yeah, he had an assist, <laughs> but it wasn't like he really created anything with the assist. It was just no. giving Harry the ball yeah, and, and letting he Harry the needle on that. So, like, if it was Soldado, uh, if it was Vincent Janssen, I don't, I don't even know what are the strikers we had before that. Carlos Vinicius. Yeah, Vinicius. Adam, Adam <laughs> We yeah, saw Adam a little Bayor. piece of him today. It's go wide, or it's going to be saved by Leno. So, yeah, that I, was magnificent yeah, from counter, Harry. I mean, I mean, we'll talk about. Yeah, and that was again one of those things where it was just sheer willpower. It was, it was we really hadn't created that much going forward, and Harry was like, you know what, fuck this, I'll take care of this, and I'll sort this out and get us the lead, and that's exactly what he did. It's just, it is just getting really depressing watching Sun, and I get that the, I mean, the commentary, uh, the guys at the booth actually mentioned that apparently Conti said uh, that like Richarlison's not ready to start yet, so that's why he's getting only 20 minutes here, and he's trying to work back to and getting his fitness back under him. So I'm hoping that maybe we can get him a run out against Preston this weekend and give 
sun a break or something where, again, like Tommy had mentioned, sun's got to get some kind of benching or just a break of some kind that can be the kick up the ass that he needs because he's just been I, – I don't think I, – I don't even think he touched the ball in the second half. Uh, he was just – he was a ghost. Well, and maybe we could see some Brian Hill in this uh, mm-hmm. Preston well, game. And he wasn't even on the bench. Well, I mean, Richarlison was the only attacker was, on the bench. I was wondering – I remember reading an article why Hill wasn't on – even. On, I don't even think he was on the bench for Man City. And apparently, or like on Tuesday of last week, he picked up a minor injury. So that's what uh, Oh, okay. Well, hopefully he's good for Preston because I think that is a game that we could use him at least to start yeah. and then uh, – then always sub on some of the big guns if we need it uh, later. Mean, I know we know Lucas Moore's limitations, but if he was healthy, like I would have taken Sun off for him, even though we know he's going to be on his way out at the end of the season. But I'm like, let's try to salvage some things here. So, because I don't, I don't foresee any time right now or for the foreseeable future that Brian Hill is going to start over even an ailing Sun. So, no. No. Yeah, and I think like back uh, <clears throat> on the Fulham thing, the only thing that, um, like I said, I thought we were very organized and we kept our composure really well today. The only thing that kind of I would change is the fact that, like Tommy had mentioned, we didn't get out of second gear, but we didn't really need to. The only thing is with that way of playing, you can sometimes set yourself up for something crazy to happen at the last minute. Like if you don't take your opportunities to put teams away – and get a multiple goal lead. Fulham is, I think us and Fulham are tied for the most goals created off set pieces this season. I think they each, we each have 10. So really? this is, it feels like we barely create anything off of set pieces. No, because we, we did early. We yeah, did remember, early yeah, on this season. When you think early yeah. in the season, I think we had like seven goals off oh, corners. Yeah, because like we hired, we hired that yeah. new coach. We're like, yeah. this guy, he's, the, he's great. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's like, so Fulham is just on par with us. And so that's how they get a lot of their goals created. And, so you could be in control of the game like we were, but all of a sudden they get one corner and Mitrovic gets his noggin on it and it's now a 1-1 game. So that's the stuff you got to be really careful with in games like that. you got to be able to put these teams away and get that second goal and kind of be able to – because, again, last time we played Fulham at back at, at our place was when we were up 2-0 and then Mitrovic just – they had one chance. They, they had basically created nothing and they had one opportunity uh, – Romero kind of got lazy and sagged off Mitrovic and he bent one in from like 20 yards out and it's like all of a sudden we're very very like grateful that we got that second goal and, and gave ourselves a little bit of a cushion because we ended up needing it that's, that's just the only thing you got to be careful with in games like this you, these are Premier League players it doesn't matter what team they're on these are guys that can always somebody can pop up and take advantage of the moment and to be fair I think we set up to not give them a lot of corners the way we positioned our uh, uh, defensive line it really prevented a lot of balls going out there and I th- think they only had like uh, two or three corners that I can remember yeah, yeah it two was, was the last it, I saw. Yeah, they, they had two and we had like eight or nine so it was um, it we was heavily like, heavily tilted in our favor we did have like three corners in a row I remember but Perisic was like doing it near post toward actually by the post and like Fulham just keeps kicking it out, and I'm like, fair enough. But I'm just like, but that kind of outlines the problem of Parisage with his uh, corners. I'm just like those, those that sequence was just not. It was not good. But unfortunately, he's the only guy. He's probably still the best guy we have. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, ironically, I think the best way we could do it would be have Harry Kane take him. But you're never going to do that because Harry Kane can put the ball anywhere he wants. But like. 
he's the best passer we have. I think he would be a great guy to take corners, but you're never going to do that because you can't take him. He's the best one to score him. So he's going to be – Yeah, you're never going to have Harry just – you're never going to take away Harry Kane from being around the front yeah. of the net. Oh, oh, you had something you want to jump in with, Jeff? Before Did we I? Uh, go ahead and jump in and then, um, then go to MVP. Oh, I'll just go right to MVP. Um, I, I thought Harry Kane was MVP today. I mean, that beautiful goal, and you know he and you know he missed on a couple other ones, but he, as usual, was the pretty much the sole offense we had today. Well, yeah, yeah. and he tied Jimmy Greaves, so yeah. now he's co-leading scorer in Tottenham history. So. I, I thought there was a chance that maybe he would uh, get the second one and uh, break uh, it today, but right, it was right on a play yeah. for him. I can't yeah. believe he didn't finish yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, Tommy, how about you, uh, MVP? I actually was going to put Harry Kane down, but laugh all you want. I'm going to say Everson Royale. Um, name put in the chat, and I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, I think he did everything that he had to today. He, he was defensively sound. When he attacked, yeah, some of the passing wasn't great, but he had some very good crosses in And that's what you need out of the right wing back. So, Emerson Royale, this might happen once in a blue moon, but this is that blue moon. Okay, how about you, Lucas? Um, yeah, I'm going to say Harry as well, um, but I'll give a special shout to Kulichevsky. I thought Kulichevsky had a very nice game today. And But, yeah, for me it's Harry. He's the sole guy sometimes when we need him, so it's like if he's not creating, <laughs> who is? So thankfully, thankfully he wears our shirt and can create for us. You know, I think we're going to make an even split today. I'm going to say Emerson Royal. I, I think he w- did everything that Conte wants him to do. Like, he, he he was in the defensive positions he wanted him to do. He he at times was playing as a midfielder when Kulishevsky was uh, pulling pulled out to the wing. Um, so he was uh, finding a way to contribute. Like, and Conte likes to see that in a dynamic uh, uh wing back like he wants people that are going to be able to combine with their uh, um, with their peers on the pitch and and uh, fill holes when they pop up and pop up in places that they're not expected to and he was doing that and it never really amounted to a ton today but between his defensive work and and uh, the positioning I I thought like he's kind of getting Conte's system I don't think he's got the talent for a wing back in Conte's system, but he's getting it now, I think. Until Harry scored, I think Royale had our only shot on target, too. Yeah, and that was yeah. a nice shot, too. I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, how about LVP? What do you got, Jeff? You know, I didn't really see anybody who was LVP today. Usually they jump right out and you don't have to think about it. Um, maybe Hoybear, just because I think he's been on a bad run. For probably five games he needs now. A break. Yeah, I mean he's been starting every game. The guy's got to be exhausted. Yeah, I mean the, there's a, definitely a case to be made there. Um, uh, Tommy, do you have anybody? Yeah, and it's not even for that shitty throw-in, but I got to give it to Perisic. It's it's just yeah. I, I know he's tired of been playing. Like I I want Cessna to do well. That's beside the point. But he just he, I don't out of all the players I think. So, like, Hoiberg, like, he had some good tackles in. Um, he had, I remember he had a great tackle, or at least I felt like it, where it, he disrupted the play, disrupted the counterattack, so I'll give him that. Um, and he and Bentoncourt, they were really good today with, like, I was talking about breaking the press and being able to yeah. pass their way out from the back. So I think those two were 
Those two did a really yeah. good job. So, yeah, sorry, uh, Ivan or Yvonne. Yeah. Gotta give it to you. Mine's son. Um, again, I, I, he just... It's so it's becoming the pattern that we're seeing this more games than not. He just disappears for ninety minutes, and you can't have one of your two most important players, and you can't have the reigning Golden Boot winner just disappear for ninety minutes. You can't have it, and that's unfortunately the trend that we're seeing from him week in and week out. Is he just disappears for large portions of a game, and again, it's like if if we don't have Harry pop up, we got to have somebody else <laughs> trying to create these chances. So. He's got to really get his head back on straight. Yeah, um, I, I think I, I, I think I agree with you, Lucas. Um, it's got to be Sun, Sun, and I, I, I think it's like I more blame Conte for it now, though. I'm just like, just bench him. It worked last time. Why are we not doing it? Like, just give the guy a, a rest, and then see if when he gets some fresh legs, some time to think. When he comes back on, what it does, and last time it worked into a hat trick, as Tommy said. It, uh, yeah, I, I, why not? Why not do it again? I, I think it's just a it's just a matter of fitness. I think Conti's kind of he's forced right now to not because I, I think like, he would probably like to let Richarlison go get a full ninety minutes in, but he's probably just trying to work him back in. Because you're right, there, it just doesn't make sense to continue to beat Sun into the ground when he's just clearly should be benched. And I think that's what we're seeing is we just don't have the other attacking options right now that are healthy. I think we were really screwed when we came back from the World Cup and had Kulachevsky and Richarlison out right away. So it was like... Well, well, Richarlison was... I mean, he he did the hammy problem before the World Cup and then at the World Cup. So you don't want you don't yeah. want it to get you yeah, know, chronic you, you at this point. You need to, to get go hurt slow. Again, like... Because we could really need him sometime soon. That's why I, I understand. We, we got a really tough but, second half coming up. But I'm like, alternatively though, I don't know why Conte's not looking at Sessegnon, because he has he, he has some attacking prowess and he's got pace to burn. So you know, Paris is just playing as a left wing back. You know, why why is he playing as a left winger? Yeah, unfortunately, I think that we're probably not going to see Sessegnon work out at Spurs. I think he's going to be. I think we'll probably look to move him on in the summer if we can, because I think he is. He's got such he's got such potential, but you can't be in year four. Or not, I think what's his, his fourth year, and we're still saying, oh, he's got potential. It's. I think we'll see him go to some other team and maybe rejuvenate his career. Like if he could go play for a lower or lower table side, kind of like what we saw from Walker Peters. Like we're he was him back to Fulham. Yeah, I mean, you could. He seemed comfortable there, so I just I don't think it's going to work out for Sesson Young at Spurs, but which is a really big disappointment. But I think. I think Conte, I think Conte sees that, and that's why he trusts Perisic a lot more than he trusts Sessegnon. I think it depends on if Conte stays, because if he if Poch comes back, you know Sessegnon was his guy, so I would think that you know he'll stay there. Yeah, I could see Sessegnon sticking around just because another coach might get more out of him, like uh, uh, with less rigid of a, a system. He's another one of those guys, not quite so apparent as Basuma, but but he's another one of those guys that. Uh, doesn't seem to be flourishing in the rigid system of Conte as much. Um, and I agree with Tommy on Perisic. Um, he was just toothless today and uh, d- didn't seem very good, so I can understand why you picked him. But um, I think this is a good place to go to half. Um, the, in the second half, we are going to talk transfers. We'll talk some more Conte. We'll talk uh, some Harry Kane stuff. Um, and then we'll preview the FA Cup again against Preston North End. Uh, We do not have a halftime segment, but we are going to go to half, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. 
So I want to start uh, the conversation with a, a listener question, and this one comes from uh, our own Michael. And uh, thanks you, Michael. You were our first alternate today, but we had a full cast. We'll get you on again soon. But he gives us a good question to, to break the ice here. So go ahead, Tommy. All right, Michael. So his question was, and you better be listening because we're asking it, uh, somebody please give us some give us some sanity on all the Conte and Kane rumors. Well, I guess Ornstein, who always knows everything today, came out and said that Harry's open to signing an extension. But, I mean, there weren't any conditions around it. Like, I assume he expects Conte to stay and, and so forth and us to actually win something. And on the Conte stuff, it seems like, um, I mean, DiMarzio came out yesterday saying that he thought chances were he would probably leave at the end of the season but then he clarified it that he didn't know that that's just from people it's he just had talked opinion. to yeah, yeah exactly but everybody <laughs> took it as fact right of course, yeah. people blew their they, they blew their shit i, I think for I, I think those two i think their futures are tied together um i think harry now that he has he'll have the record for most tottenham goals i think that that was important to him to try and get that um but he can go to any other Premier League team and keep working on his because he's going to want to be the most, have the most Premier League goals ever. So I think that's his next like, milestone. milestone to hit. Yeah, exactly. And so he can do that at other clubs. He can go, Newcastle can buy him and he can go do it for them. Or it's just, I, I think he, the thing with those two, with Harry and with Conti and their futures, I think it's, it's all about whether or not the club shows intentions. The club has to show that we're committed, and that's all Harry wants to see. And it's not like Harry wants to leave. It's the same thing with the whole Man City shit that happened last summer. It wasn't Harry wasn't saying I want to leave Tottenham. He was saying if you don't pony up and actually start investing and in trying to show that you're committed to taking it up a notch and going to try and win stuff, if you don't show me that, then I'll go somewhere else because that's all Harry wants to see is that the club is actually moving in the right direction and it's I think that's why I say his future is linked with Conti because if we just blow off Conti we don't back Conti why would Harry want to stay with us like and get another new manager in and then have to start this shit all over again when he could just go to Newcastle or something and or, or it would have to be a coach that he already trusts mm-hmm. I think the big the other thing though is we've already talked about is what's going to happen with Prodigy because if Prodigy ends up leaving Conte's probably gone with him too because I think he sold Conte on a lot of things to come here. You know, oh, this is a big, good project. You know, got some good players. It, so if that doesn't, I mean, I don't know if Conte's, I don't know if he's an, a manager that would want to do the transfer dealings all by himself or he needs a director of football. So that's another issue. And okay. It's just, for me though, it's my issue, or not my issue, or I guess a point of contention is, haven't made a lot of waves in the transfer window right now. And I'm not horribly surprised just because of the World Cup. Uh, Our wages and fees, transfer fees, are going to be inflated. So I think I'm going to resign to Antonio Conte leaving. But I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Levy's like, you know what, we're probably not going to buy anybody. We might get some people on loan or some cheap cheap buys. But we'll give you $300 or whatever in the summer where things die down ever so slightly and then we'll go from there but tommy i think it's more of like this negative feedback loop like conti won't sign 
Um, so we don't want to bring in players, or at least we don't want to commit to players long term that we're bringing in for Conte. Oh, and, yeah. and we're, that, that's yeah. why we're not getting these it's moves a bit of across a catch, the line. It's a catch twenty two. It's like Conte wants the commitment from the club to say, "Hey, we'll go out and sign you players," but he's not going to do that. <laughs> and so the club's like, "Well, we're not going to go buy you players unless you commit." So they have to come to the table and say, "Look, this is what we're going to be like." They have to be clear with each other and say. I want to be here, but I need X, Y, and Z. And, also, and the club can say, we're willing to do this, this, and this. And th- like they got to start ironing this out because, like you said, it, it is, it's cyclical. If Conti's not going to get the players, he's not going to sign. And if he's not going to And we don't have sign, enough time left in this players. window and, at this and point. And also with players, though, it's like, yeah, like I bet there's a lot of players that want to play for Antonio Conti, but they're, they, they're not stupid. Their agents probably know, and they're telling them, you know, it's a mutual option for the next – for one year and the year after for Antonio Conte. So, you don't want that – so, for example, uh, you buy an actual right back, but Conte stays. It's like, well, I'm fucked. You know, so – or it's like – or, uh, I don't know, or a forward plays in a two-forward system. And, you know, Conte plays with one true striker, even though it's a three-pronged attack. So, it's like – a lot of players might not want to deal with that either. So yeah, if I'm a player, I would like to know what the future looks like to the club I'm going to. I wouldn't want to just be going to a club that has no real clear direction as to what their long-term goals are. And that, like you said, if I'm a player that's a right wing back, why would I want to go? You obviously you'd want to go be a wing back for Antonio Conte. That's what you could. That's the role you would excel in. And if I'm a right wing back, I want to play for Conte. But if I know that. He might not be here next year. I'm going to say, screw it. I'll go somewhere else where I know that I'll be slotting into a system that I can make a future at. Not all of a sudden play one season under Conti at right wing back. He gets sacked in the summer. Or he decides to leave. And then all of a sudden now you're a right wing back in a system that doesn't use wing backs. Yeah. So it's for argument's sake. Your Nuno comes in. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the players <laughs> probably <laughs> signings want to have some kind of guarantee as to what their future looks like. No, but for argument's sake, though, there's rumors of like, oh, if Conte leaves, Pochettino comes in. And we know he plays a 4-2-3-1. So, even, or, so right now, Longley, I mean, he's on loan, so, he, I mean, in theory, he probably will go back to Barcelona. But, like, so, even if you have that third center back, it's like, well, I'm fucking lost here because there's two center backs. But, in a, but Pochettino at least liked uh, fullbacks right. that no, behaved but, like wingbacks. No, but generally speaking, <laughs> like, though, so uh, that, that that wouldn't be such a negative. So, but in the '90s, for example, four four two was is the standard formation. Now it's four two three one. So what? So if we don't find if it's not Conte or whatever, we got to find somebody that specializes in the three four three and sticks with it. But if not, we'll probably get some random manager, whoever that whomever that may be. That person will probably deploy four two three one. I got three things. The last one's a diatribe. Um, but on Kante, I mean, besides everything else, especially if Paradici loses his job because of the scandal, he's lost three close personal friends this year, and his family lives in Italy. So, and some of his recent interviews, it sounds like he's doing a little self-reflection and a little examination. And so that may be part of everything, too. You know, maybe he would like to go back home to Italy again. Yeah, there's definitely a human element to yeah. it that not a lot of people are thinking about. Yeah. And then on the transfer front, we only consistently get linked with two names, right? Pedro Poro, who apparently we're still trying to convince Atletico to take some of our garbage for in a, in a player exchange. And 
Then the same thing with Zaniolo, right, from Roma. Same thing no, we're we, trying to... We want him on a loan to... A uh, loan. To, to uh, yeah. option to buy. Exactly. Where only if he meets certain expectations do we and, buy him. And, and, we're, and we're trying to throw some cast-offs at them, too. You know, and it's Jose who knows very well yeah, he knows <laughs> what who those guys are. Yeah. He's like, I do not want them. This is so, a burger today for... Uh, I'll, I'll gladly uh, pay you tomorrow for a burger today is essentially what yeah. we're trying to do. And it comes down to the Conte situation, doesn't it, Jeff? Right, and it's like, you know, uh, you know, we aren't getting linked to any center backs, right? That's all got to wait till the summer. It's like, okay, even if we got Poro and Zaniolo, would that make a huge difference? I, it doesn't seem like it. But, but the, the, the dietary, I just wanted to quickly go through. You know, the the real play, we're in purgatory right now, right? Because what exactly is Enix playing for Tottenham Hotspur? Right, I was just going the the history of them. Right, they bought Spurs. A couple of years later, you get a Russian oligarch and a Petro State buying Chelsea and City. So now they can't compete with them financially. Then um, they go, they build the stadium. The stadium costs are too much, so it winds up taking two seasons. And at the very moment when we're good enough to win the league, we can't put any money into player transfers. Go to window without spending it. Um, Then the stadium opens. What happens? Worldwide pandemic. We don't get any of the match day revenue that that we thought we were going to get. We are in conversations with Todd Bowley for a sale. And then the pandemic happens. That doesn't happen. He buys Chelsea, and he's pumping money into them. Um, and now, uh, you know, Levy finally decides we're a big club now. We don't sell players, and we still can't. We can't sell it. And we have a Frankenstein roster you know, that was built for four different managers now. And we can't move anybody. They're we all don't alone. Know. Right. Yeah. And what is it? What are we? Are we the Borussia Dortmund of England where we you know we're always in the Champions League where you know we 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 get a bunch of young players coach them up they get to be good we sell them off for big money or are we you know what he's trying to do with Conte you know we have the big winning win now manager we buy you know big names well Levy doesn't seem to want to pay for that so what where are we we can't be we've got one foot in both worlds and we you know pick a lane that's the thing Jeff actually first thing about Abramovich apparently he wanted to buy us or we were in the running and then he chose Chelsea so that's kind of funny in itself but the other thing though is I remember reading what was it, a week or two, a few weeks ago that we the club made 170 some million pounds in profit last year. So I'm like, we're making hand over fist. We have about 10 years left to pay the mortgage on the stadium. So I'm like, so there's two options, I guess. You want to overpay on your mortgage, and then you can be free and clear down the line, or you want to use that to build up more revenue, players, and ultimately win. Because let's be realistic. If we win a title, people are going to buy a bunch of merchandise. We're going to bring in new fans. We're going to bring in a lot of people to the stadium, whether to visit or, you know, uh, or even here in America, you know, the fan base of Spurs has built over the past 10 years. So if somebody is starting watching soccer in the last World Cup or the World Cup a month ago, they're going to be like, you know, let's let Spurs are looking good here. They want a title. I'll latch on to them. So it. There's so many avenues from that. And then it's just, I would hope for the latter where we just spend on players to, you know, strike all the irons hot. But, I mean, it's Daniel Levy and he's got an answer to Enoch. But it's, 
Well, I can I can answer some of that with what Jeff asked with what are we in terms of like what is what is Enoch trying to do? The answer that is they're trying to make the comp- they're trying to make Spurs is a they're trying to make Spurs a as valuable as possible for a future sell on. So they're trying to they they got an investment. I forget how much they paid when they initially like became like the when they officially got Spurs. Like I think but they've almost doubled what their investment is now. Spurs are worth a ton more, and they're making profits consistently. And it's kind of a catch-22 again where the best way, ironically, the best way to make a bunch of money and make your company as profitable as you can be is to win. And to do that, you do have to spend money on yourself. You have to spend money to make money. Look at every one of us probably knows an American fan that's a Leicester fan. Why? Because of, like... like because of their one season that they won, they that like there was. I, I remember as a kid here, like I, nobody knew what Leicester City was, but all of a sudden I'm driving down and I see Leicester shirts in soccer shops and stuff like that, just because they had that one season where they went for it, got good, and all of a sudden now they've made their investment worth a ton more than it was. So that's the thing is. Unfortunately, you have to spend money on yourself. You have to back yourself and win. And like Tommy said, it's the, the, when you win, you're going to make so much more money. Look at Arsenal right now. All of a sudden, every game is sold out. People are singing. People are enthusiastic about it. Selling shirts, selling merchandise, selling tickets. It's that's all because they've now started winning and they've gotten good. So now that's a much they've they bet on themselves. They spent the money where they needed to, and now they're raking in the profits because of it. And that's something that I unfortunately don't see us doing because, as Tommy said, we're still grinding out, we're still making profits, and we're still, the shareholders are still happy. They don't need to be, they don't care that we're not looking good on the pitch because their wallets are still full and they're still making their money. So, But I think Jeff's right that the, the, the sell-on is the eventual. Uh, yeah, that's what they're, that's the plan is yeah, to maybe that make the company, yeah, they're trying to make our company is... Profitable, profitable as, as possible, so that they can make when they make a big cash out. But, but even here, this is Enoch day late and dollar short again. When are they trying to sell in a global recession? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, they're you know, I, I, the ideas are always right, but they but the something time, the happens. Timing is, the timing yeah, something is happens, it up. destroys. No, it, it. If you think about it, though, it's kind of like old school economics because. You know, technically, Tottenham Hotspur is part of Enix portfolio, so it's like don't need to spend money when it when you don't need to. Increase the value of the club if you don't by trimming and cutting the fat on certain things. So, if you look at it from that standpoint, it can't be too surprising. No. It's just, it. I was actually thinking about it earlier today. It it kind of makes me wonder if. Daniel Levy owned the club outright and is not, he didn't own Enoch or Enoch didn't buy into it. It's just him owning the club. Would things be different? I would hope at least a little bit, but. Well, yeah. And some of it is just, we, we have to wonder like the, the, the negativity that's around the ownership. Some of it is unfair because of the very reasons that Jeff has laid out for us, and and it's easy to hate the ownership. 
and I often do. I do get angry because I want to see more uh, out As of this a Mets club. Fan, you know how that feels. Well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the Mets are spending now, but um. well, I mean, but in the nineties and early two thousands, oh yeah, they were deep shit. So uh, yeah. Oh yeah. No, Madoff, it, Bernie Madoff fucked us. But, yeah. Hard, well, it's but. always it's always like you said. It's always easy to blame the ownership, and it's 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 much easier to look at Daniel Levy as a villain as opposed to looking at like some of like maybe the the scouting stuff that we've had we've had some we've spent money we've just spent it poorly i mean he he ponied up and he paid big money for Dombele and Dombele and Lacelso yeah. both guys or ended up sucking at the time yeah and but, both guys were such wastes of money because not only did they suck for us but they sucked so bad that there is no sell on we can't even make anything re- recovering for it so he just flushed all that money down so it's easy to look at and again, even this summer, we brought in a lot of signings, and not any of them have really. Uh, Charleston doesn't have a Premier League goal for us yet. I mean, you can understand why he's having play. trouble backing a coach, though, because yeah, it's, you, <laughs> you backed Pochettino and bought those guys, and then that went down the drain. And granted, maybe it was unfair that it went down the drain when it did. We didn't give him a chance to turn it around. It looks like we're more ready to give Conte a chance to turn things around, even though he. But he's not even as committed to us as uh, Pochettino was. But even but. the summer signings is still <laughs> daily Tyler short again. Because, look, what it, we bring in Richarlison, gets hurt. Yep. Gets hurt again. Um, you know, Basuma got hurt. Um, and Skip, apparently is having was hurt. Skip, it's, it's, been just hurt. Like, it's just like it's like yeah. oh man, it. You know, somebody in the second half of the city game was like, "We are cursed. We are a cursed team." I don't know that we're cursed, but I definitely think Enoch is cursed. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you said. It's these. We did spend a lot of money in the summer. I mean, we spent we spent what seventy like seventy million on Richarlson, who doesn't have a goal for us yet. Like, who would have thought that? Like you, you oh, goal in the up. Premier League, you, but yeah. yeah, in the Premier League he has zero goals so He's far. He's also playing out of position, though. Yeah, and that's the thing is so. And but and so, but would would you say that that's Levy's fault? No, but no. Also, he ponied up the money and we, got right. a big signing. And we but, talked about Sun too, where Conte has been even earlier in the season reluctant to bench Sun minus that Brighton game. So I'm like, if we're char or and but it's also kind of with the whole Kane thing as well. Uh, it was uh, Lester, wasn't it? Leicester game was the one that Sun got benched and came back with the hat trick. Oh, I, I thought it was I thought it was Leicester too, but yeah, but yeah, it was saying right, right, no away. Yeah. Okay, my bad, my bad. Um, no, but for our, but you know, Harry Kane, you know, he wants a record. Yeah, he's arguably our best player. But I'm like, why isn't like he's what 31 right now? Give him a rest. I know he wants to chase records, but he's not gonna he's not gonna be like, oh, I need a rest. He's not that person. But you have to be that. You kind of have to have that mentality to be a psycho and be like, and keep pushing and be stubborn to be where you're at. So I don't blame Harry Kane for that. But I'm like, have Richarlison start as a center forward, and then because I'm like, for argument's sake, Kane does leave this summer, and Richarlison is our striker. He hasn't had the the seasoning period this whole season because he's been playing on the left wing. So it's. It's a variety of things, and or like, or, he, or he's been playing on the right wing uh, yeah, for like, times. Like they would, at Sarge, the beginning of the season, they were bringing him on the right, and that's that's completely out of position for him. I mean, like, he can do it, but it's not his best position. Or other players like Sar, like he looked good for a few games, but he's not playing right now again. You know, so yeah, Ben Core's coming back, but I'm like, I would want, I kind of want to see. 
what a pairing of Bencore and Sar would be, as an example. Um, you know, why isn't Spence starting? So, like, I don't think Conte is... There's some blame for him not rotating the squad as often as I would like to, because it's just... There's just... Yeah, you can blame Enoch and you can blame Levy, but there's... Whether it be squad, scout... There's, there's plenty of blame to go around. That's and that's what I was going to say, Tanner. To just wrap us up is that we just there's, it's not as simple as oh spending money. Look at Everton. I know we've used that example before. Everton pumped tons of money in. They just spent a lot of money on shit players. So it's not about spending. It's how you spend it, and that's unfortunately been something that's kind of cursed us as we've been not spending. Whether it is the right guy and he can't stay healthy, or it's the wrong guy. It's just we've had a lot of things that have been factors into why we haven't been able to put the product out on the pitch and a lot of it's Enoch a lot of it's Enoch and Levy a lot of it's bad luck with injuries a lot of it's guys that maybe Conti isn't getting the right guys in so it's there's just a lot of blame that you could go around bring it, bring it home Tommy uh, and it, I would say kind of it, I want to circle back to the whole prodigy thing though he has proven and over the past ever since he's been here he's had made good signings unfortunately though is with the whole ban in Italy it's like that's going to throw everything to limbo so he has had precedent where he has made good signings over the past what three four transfer windows you know we got Dayon we got Bencore we got whatever so Basuma is a good signing which Allison's a good signing I mean yeah it's just they still need to play though yeah it's just and then we'll see how we'll see how it goes I guess yeah well um I think this is a good place to bring the conversation, uh, we have one match to talk about this upcoming weekend, and it is FA Cup. And now, this is a competition that like uh, might be our best chance at silverware, though I doesn't feel like we have a good chance at silverware this year, but I think we've got to roll with anything that we have. And if we do have Conte through the rest of the year, he has a record of winning, maybe this is our best chance to... to prove our winning ways and then uh, move on with next season uh, wherever we land. Uh, so FA Cup, we take on Preston uh, North End away on Saturday. Uh, that's at noon here in Chicago that we uh, play them. They're, they're 11th place in the championship with 40 points, 11 wins, 7 draws, and 10 losses. Uh, they did win over Birmingham this past uh, weekend. Um and uh, their top goal scorer right now is a guy named Chet Evans with six. Uh, so not like a lot of like threatening numbers here. He's more um, of a target man, if anything. Yeah, yeah. He's and, a big lumbering guy. Uh, we we've only taken played the the last time we played them was two thousand nine. So we don't really have any recent experience. Um, but this is a championship side, and we should be able to handle them theoretically. And that's a big theoretically. <laughs> more back to those that professional playing again like we, we need to see a professional match with probably a rotated squad but well i think that's like what i was going to touch on is something you just led into with a uh, rotated squad so this is a team that's sitting smack in the middle of the championship i think they're at like 10th or 11th and so this is a team 11th. that they'll be up for it because it's their chance to get one over on a big premier league club so their their fans will be up for it their players will be up for it and they won't have any rotation and that's something that can be very detrimental to us it seems like in the past where I mean we lost to Colchester away in the league cup who was like a league one side and we lost to them because they weren't rotated they had a 
usual their usual relationships on the pitch, their regular starting eleven, and we threw in a side that was completely rotated, guys that aren't used to playing together, and that's something that you see in the FA Cup and League Cup a lot. In the fact that it opens yourself up to the, it's the one asset that the lower league sides will have over the big Premier League sides is when we rotate a lot, you now have that lack of continuity together on the pitch, and that's where if you're not careful, a very rotated side can look really shitty against a team. Like we just saw us get knocked out of the League Cup to a championship side. And so it's like it's it happens when you rotate. If you over-rotate, you open yourself up to an upset in the fact that the other team has the continuity and they're used to playing together. Like a guy like if we were to start Basuma and Saar, let's say, those guys haven't played together in a game before, whereas – the midfielding parent for Preston will have played together every game for the entire season and probably didn't have guys that were going to the World Cup. So they were able to have a, I don't know, much more fluid. They'll have a much more fluid starting 11 than we will yeah. if we over-rotate. Yeah, and, and, and that's where do you create the balance because we certainly need to rotate. But, mm-hmm. uh, but where do you rotate? I mean... Uh, I, I assume we'll see Harry Kane in this match because yeah. <laughs> he, he plays every match. Unfortunately, but. like I, we we would all love to see Spence play, um, but if Conte didn't trust Spence to play in the last round when we were playing a League One side at home, why would we assume that he's going to start Spence on the road in a against the Championship side? Well, and and he's also sat Doherty the last two matches, so it seems like a ready-made Doherty match. Um. I just wonder, does anybody know, is Parrot going to get to play against us no, for Preston? No, he won't be able to. They won't let him? Okay. Yeah, no, he, I was he, kinda he hoping. can't because yeah. of the loan, yeah. Well, I mean, even in the last round, like, Tottenham said no to letting um, Scarlet play. Scarlet play. Yeah. I mean, so I, th- I think, I think you get a choice. I, thought that, the I, I think they chose okay. to, um, to, to not even include... Uh, Scarlet in their their well, Tottenham uh, said no. Uh, their, their cup squad. I think Tottenham said no even before we played Portsmouth. Like he couldn't, they don't didn't want him playing any of the FA Cup yeah. matches, which is weird unless we were going to recall him. But. And, but I mean, it's and why would you? Why would you want to be able to play somebody that's a good young player? That if if, if any reason, like you would say. It doesn't seem like a hard choice at all. It's like, no, I don't want that good young player that we loaned out to you to be able to come hurt us. Like, leave him off. Well, yeah, I think it was. I think it's the potential that you need to recall. It's just that backup plan. Like, okay. Uh, That's what I thought. We had a lot of injuries that we need to bring Scarlet back. We don't want him to be cup tied. Yeah, I thought that for Scarlet, but Parrot, like, the window's almost closed and he's coming off an injury. So I thought it'd be better for him to play. It'd be fun to see him, too. Well, an interesting thing with these types of games is it'll be interesting to see how we start if we come out slow and sluggish like we've seen a lot in our Premier League games and our most of our games this season. We've started the first half really slow. In games like this where the FA Cup is something that for these smaller sides is a huge opportunity for them, like I said, to get one over on a Premier League side. These players and their fans are going to get it. They're going to be really jacked up for this game. And the longer you let a game like that go on with it being nil-nil and if you start slow and sluggish the more you invite them into the game and their confidence grows remember when we played marine in the league or uh, fa cup a few years ago and marine was basically like a pub side and we didn't score for like the first 20 30 minutes and 
we invited them to like they one guy got the ball they only had the ball for like a second and your guy took a rip from like 30 yards out and put one off the crossbar on joe hart so it's is it's, the more you invite them in to be a part of the game and not squash them out early their confidence grows and they'll be able to start taking some rips and who knows get a, get a corner and put a put a ball on your head in the corner and get some kind of cheeky goal that gets their fans into it or stuff like that is what you got to be careful of and i really hope that we see us start aggressive and come out squash any chance they have of building confidence well who do we think we're going to see in this squad before we go to predictions like uh who do you anticipate will be rotated in i'm hoping fraser forrest will start yeah and then probably sessignon maybe San- eh, i don't even know about maybe sanchez yeah, I think we'll see. I think Sar will be out. There. I think we'll see Sar and or Basuma, if not both. But we'll definitely. I think we'll definitely see Basuma. Um, maybe skip. Yeah, maybe a Basuma skip pairing because I think Basuma was supposed to start the game that we. Um, yeah, the game that we just played um, in the last round. Basuma was supposed to start in that one, and then he got a knock in like while he was warming up for the game. So, I think we'll definitely see. He got a couple minutes today. At the end there, he got like five minutes, but I think we'll see him start for sure. And I hope maybe, yeah, like get Sar a run out. Sar looked really good when he was in that last game, so maybe like a Sar-Basuma pairing. Yeah, because then Sar goes forward and Basuma is the defensive holder. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at the front line of Son, Kane, and Dayon will start as well just because they need D2. So, and then uh, Richarlison, he'll they'll come on eventually, but I think that's... If, if Hill's healthy, I guess, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I hope he comes on. It sounds like Moore is not going to be healthy anytime soon. Um, so, and based on it, it sounds like Charles is not going to be match date or a full 90 for a little bit. So, at least get him some seasoning. Unfortunately, we're going to see Doherty and not Spence. Uh, but um, maybe Spence gets a few minutes. Uh, and I hope, I hope he looks good. I, I hope he's allowed to play free whenever he comes on because I think that's where he's at his best. Um, I don't want to see him come on and uh, to hold on to a one goal lead, but like I would love to see him get like a, a half hour of play when we're up the uh, three nil or something. But because um, uh, I think that then we can see what he's really made of. But um, I, I'd love to see him start, but that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, I think we would all like to see him start, but like I said, that there's just if Conti didn't trust him against the League One side at home, I don't see it being that this is not the game that he's going to trust him to go let loose and this is we're getting to the point now where this is a this is a good draw and if we if we're able to get the result and get out of here we'll be in the round of 16 and then you never know how these things go you might might draw another might draw like a Wrexham or somebody or some shit team that you can kind of skirt your way through into the quarterfinals and then hopefully if you get lucky draws you can continue to go on and on and so I don't think we'll see too much of like giving young guys opportunities i think we'll still have a pretty strong side put out there yeah. i think we'll see kane and son up top again maybe kulichevsky as well i think the places we'll rotate is probably just the midfield and the guys that we'll see on the wings it'll probably be like sesson young and doherty and hart but it's not going to be as crazy rotated as we think let's start with jeff for predictions um, I'm going to say 4-0. Uh, I guess the players will be the trick, right? Um, I'm going to say Kane, Sar, Sessegnon, 
Do I? I don't even know that I would trust someone to put him on the sheet. So I'll say Doherty with the last one. Okay, tell me what he got. Uh, I picked what is it? Three no, and I got <clears throat> Kane with two and Sar. Okay, uh, Lucas. I'm not as optimistic. I think we'll win, but I think it's going to be one nil. Um, I think we'll see it's something very similar like we did in the last round. I think they're going to be. They're going to park behind the. They're going to park the bus, and they're going to have eleven men behind the ball. And we've seemed to really struggle breaking teams down that do that this season. So, I, hopefully, we can get another moment of brilliance from Harry, and that'll be enough to get the job done. But I think one nil is probably the most realistic way I can see it going. I uh, I'm going to say two one. The reason why I'm saying that is because we're going to have like a hodgepodge squad. It's not going to be um, as tight as we want it to be, and uh, we're going to be frustrated, but maybe we'll come out with an, enough goals eventually, and maybe they get one first even, and uh, really we have to put them to the sword after that, but I think we're capable of that once we get into a jam. I, I'm going to say that we get a goal from Kane. I'm going to say that we get a goal from... Richarlson, and I'm going to say that we get a goal from Oliver Skip. Wait, you said 2-1, though. Oh, I said 2-1. Did you? Am I wrong? Yeah, Yeah, no, I did say 2-1. It's a gentleman's two. I was trying to throw uh, an extra goal scorer in there to get some extra points, but you caught me. Um, um, I'm going to say Kane and Skip, I'll say. Uh, Rich Charleston, maybe they rest because he still needs to get get some health so we can sub in for for Son later on. Yeah, we're gonna need that health because we got the Champions League coming up at the middle of the next month, and we got a lot of tough games coming up. So we're gonna need everybody healthy that we got. Yeah. Final thoughts before we wrap up the episode. I hope we sign somebody next. Week. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, by, by next Tuesday, time we, talk, yeah. we have a new player to talk about. Well, we talk transfers, and like it's like there's nothing solid that we can really latch onto, and like we really need players, but none of us have confidence that we bring players in. So it's just like it doesn't feel like the episode before the end of a transfer window coming up. Um, it doesn't at all. Like we feel like we should have something to talk about, and that's frustrating. But I understand where we're at, and I think you did sum it up well, like how we've got here <laughs> over the years, Jeff. And I appreciate that you brought that because it really brings back some perspective. And it's easy to get caught up, especially if you're on Twitter, like in just like the negativity and the uh, ups and downs. And oh, Potch is coming in, and Conte's leaving, and Harry Kane's never going to sign for us. He wants to leave, and nope, now he's signing for us. And it's it's just a roller coaster every day. That I think we just gotta relax <laughs> and see this out and and know that this too shall th- pass. This too shall pass. Yeah, and whether it's a rebuild that we're gonna come into that will be painful, that we've still haven't suffered all the pain for yet, or it's uh, or, or maybe Conte uh, can cur- turn this around and we do decide to back him and we work something out. Anything could happen. We, we've just got to ride this out. Um, That's what Ellie Golding said. Yep. we just got to ride it out. So, uh, But I think that about wraps it up. So thank you so much to uh, Lucas, Tommy, and Jeff for being on this week. 
Um, and thanks to Tommy for editing tonight, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Barn Grill. Nice to be recording back here in person. Find us on our many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. And hit the subscribe button where you can on those platforms. And write us a review where you can on those platforms, if you like our podcast, or even if you don't. Um, uh, Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs, and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.